0: open your Bibles or turn on a gadget, we're in Philippians 2, Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 through 8. We are in the series, The Good and Beautiful Design, The Good and Beautiful Design. And Today, specifically in this part of our series as a trilogy, is the Good and Beautiful Community. Following the Spirit, extending grace, demonstrating love is what we're doing, uh, talking about as a people. Philippians 2, 1 through 8, I'm going to read that after I share with you the big idea. We are a serving community. Everybody say serving. serving. We're a serving community. We've had a hopeful community, we've had uh, different things we've talked about, but this week we're talking about we're a serving community. Those of you using the material for um, the small groups or discussion, I had originally planned on combining a lot of these and doing this in six weeks, and right away I said, "There's just let's just not. Uh, Every once in a while we just got to slow down and take our time. And so split those in half, Uh, they're there uh, in the the thing, but basically split them in half, do one each week. And with each message comes our... Soul training exercises. So I encourage you to take a look at those soul training exercises. I think I put today's accidentally on last week's, at the bottom of last week, So you've had a a little uh, sneak peek. But today's will go out in the email right after this service. What are we going to do to get out of atrophy and move our spiritual muscles? That's what soul training is all about. And so you'll get that today. We're a serving community. Before we read Philippians 2, 1 through 8, pray with me. Would you pray this prayer? God, if there's anything you want me to hear, I'm willing to listen. God, if there's anything you want me to hear, I'm willing to listen. And God, may you be glorified. May everyone hearing this message be edified, and may Satan be horrified. In Jesus' name, amen. Philippians 2, 1 through 8. even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place. We'll stop right there. May God add his blessing to the reading of Scripture. That key verse in the middle of that passage is Philippians 2.3. It's our key verse for today. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. There's so much to chew on there. And if we would just take our time with that one verse, we would try to understand what are we to do? What are we to do? See, chapter 1 of Philippians is all about unity. Unity in Christ. And then as we get into Philippians chapter 2, we get the therefore. Every time you see a therefore, you got to go back and find out what it's there for. He's been talking about unity. And he again nails this whole theme of unity. That we are united by saying things like, Make my joy complete by being like-minded, same love, one in spirit, one mind. That's a great thing. That would be awesome if we were that people. Even when we disagreed, next week, I, I couldn't plan this better. I mean, Jim Bongiorno, you know, I don't organize this well. But next week, our whole message is on unity and diversity. Loving people even when we disagree. And it's, and it's voting week. Has there ever been a clear time when the world is divided and the whole, uh, sometimes in, in Christian circles there's division? And we're going to learn we got to love even if we don't agree with one another. i got to love you even if you, you disagree with me. And that's what this whole theme has been. One mind, one spirit, same love. And then there's a slash getting into verse three, and now he tells us how to do it. That's one thing to have that lofty goal of being like-minded and in unity. And now all of a sudden, he starts putting meat on the bones. And he says, here's how you do it. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself. The first part is the what, unity. The second part is the how. The how. This word vain conceit. It's an interesting word that we've translated into vain conceit. In the Greek, it's one word. It's a compound word. You know what a compound word A compound word is when you take two separate words, make it one word, like dog house. All the men in the house know you've been there a couple times. Dog house. Two different words, one word, dog house, right? And so in the Greek, it's a compound word, kinodoxia kinodoxia. You should be familiar with doxa, which means glory, the doxology. We sing the doxology. Glory to God. Everybody say glory. Glory, Glory. doxa. And then there's this other word, kinos. (laughs) Anybody ever played kino? They're messing with you people. They, they actually named it properly. The word means empty-handed. You can play, but you're leaving with nothing. And, and so be careful when you're out there doing those kind of things. It's from the Greek means empty-handed. You put those two words together, making one word, the kenodoxia, and it means empty glory. It's an empty glory when you put yourself up above other people. When you elevate yourself you're, you're just bringing an empty glory and it means nothing. Emptiness. So, the false narrative today, as we walk through these, remember there's a false narrative that we, we put down every week and there's a true narrative that we need to replace that false narrative with. Our false narrative this week is that our needs matter the most. It's my needs that matter the most. It's what I want is what everybody should consider. Oh, there's so many examples of this. And I always go to driving because that's probably where I'm the most heathen. <laughs> and unregenerate is when I'm driving on the highway. And, and the people, oh, as you're coming north on 75 and you get off on 15 to our beautiful little town, our little beautiful Brandon, and you're heading that way. Anybody ever turn right on M15 from 75? You know what happens, amen? Hallelujah, amen. You know what happens. There's two lanes. But what does the right lane do, Everybody it ends. Have you ever done the right thing and been in the left lane? Because you know you're turning left and you're going to stay in that lane. And there's that one guy or that one lady and they stay in that right lane and they pass everybody flying and then they cut in at the last minute. I said, nobody with me. Everybody's like, pastor's losing it again here. No, I'm okay. I'm okay. I'm in a good place. I'm in a good place. But I will say when somebody does that, I mean, we're at the light. We're at the light, and I can see that M15's stacked, bumper to bumper. And I'm sitting in my left lane, because I'm going to get in that far lane, and then that person comes up, and I just start edging, and Julie goes, don't do it. I said, oh, this. I'm not letting this. She said, don't do it. I'm like, come on, I'm not letting this person get in there. And then the light turns green, and we both, Wah! we're racing down M15 north, and that's not me. I don't let them in, but there's always one saved person. <sighs> Lord, I hope it's you. I hope it's somebody from Oakwood. Somebody lets them in. And I I say all this because I'm telling you, that's base. It is really the base of who we are. Maybe that's not your issue, but in many issues, it's my needs that matter most. I'm first. Get out of my way. We drive a lot like how we live. It's hard to put others first. I wish I'd learned to grow up and be more like my wife. Even better, I wish I could grow up and be more like Christ. I can't imagine Christ driving. He was willing to die for that person. Would he let him in? Would he be kind? Probably. Oh, Lord, make me like Jesus. At least make me a little bit more like Julie. Lord, help us. We got to get rid of this false narrative. Our needs matter most. The true narrative is others' needs matter the most. Amen? We need to look to others. And by the way, when I say this, so many people have been so upset about emotional well-being and they hate this verse because they say, this is terrible that we would have a a terrible self-image and that we would down ourselves. and And that is not at all what the Bible is saying. The Bible is not saying diminish yourself and look badly upon yourself. The Bible actually is taking the obvious fact that we do love ourselves and it's saying not don't love yourselves or don't take care of yourselves or that you're a terrible thing. It's just simply saying, you already think you're up here. You just need to learn to put people up here. So the Bible isn't telling you to have a terrible self-image. It's actually assuming you already love yourself. The trick is, the key is, the spiritual battle is others above me. That acronym of joy, Jesus, others You. Joy. Jesus first. Others next. You last. We got to get that order right. That's the true narrative. So today we're simply talking about the others-centered community. That's what we are. We need to be a serving community. Others first. Others needs. That's the best way to have church. The best way to have church is I'm looking out for everybody else's needs. I've always said that it's okay that we have church arguments and fights. It's okay. As long as what we're fighting about is everybody else's needs, not my own needs. The minute we're fighting over my needs, over your needs, then that's a a terrible, wicked thing. I've always said it would be great, and and I love having an elder-led church, by the way. You don't know how blessed we are as a church to have an elder-led church. Congregational-led, I grew up in that, and that's fine. And there's something about the people taking ownership but have you ever gone to a meeting where everybody shows up and has ideas about something they would never thought about before and they get to say their way oh it's frustrating it's frustrating but at an elder led church the elders make the decision you choose to put them in there you say you believe they got a good character and the godly men and then we let them lead i love that but in a congregational led church, you would show up at meetings and, and we'd be discussing something that we need to do, and then everybody would throw in their two cents. Well, I don't like that. And I'll tell you another thing, I don't like the color of these walls in here. We need to change the color of the walls. Oh, yeah, well, my great-great-grandmother painted this church. Who are you? You know, oh my, and then there's fights, you know. Oh, we fight. I think there ought to be church fights. But it ought to look like this, the older people standing up and saying, we need to make sure that we're looking out for the young people of this church. Are we doing every key thing we can for teenagers? we got to make sure that we're funding them and loving them. What can we do for our teenagers? And the young people of our church ought to be standing up and saying, we will leave no old person behind, right? We love our elderly people. We want to love them and honor them. And we ought to go to war for one another. Everybody say for. Not with one another. Our battles ought to be putting others above ourselves, putting others above ourselves. So as this other-centered community, I, I, I find four things that I see in Philippians that I just want to point out today. First is our purpose. Well, our purpose is love, so we've talked about that, amen? We had a whole series about love and putting others first, and so our purpose has to be love. Luke fifteen thirteen. greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends, that's the greatest example of love. At every wedding that I do, I stand there and this, this nervous guy and this beautiful bride are right in front of me and I tell the guy, you've got to love her enough to die for her. And you can see it in his eyes. He's like, pastor, I'll die for this woman. You know, And, and then I'm like, but you also got to do the dishes every once in a while. What? <laughs> Eventually you're going to have to change some diapers. Huh? Yeah, it's not just being willing to die. It's being willing to die and everything leading up to it. <laughs> That's love, no greater love. And then it talks about Jesus' example. You're great. I gotta tell you, everyone thought it's okay for the pastor to just love you guys and just brag on you guys. This church is a serving church. I just gotta say it. Sometimes people don't like me saying it when they're in here, but Marty, uh, tough luck, Marty, Marty McDaniel's. Man, does he bless people with his ability with cars? I'm amazed at that. I was over there the other day. I had an issue with my car. I thought it was going to cost $800, a new fan motor assembly and everything. I go to Marty. Marty's like, yeah, yeah, just order this, 1995 dollars And he, he said, when you come, just empty your glove box because I just got to get under your glove box and plug it in. Less than 15 minutes, right, Marty? Less than 15 minutes. Saved me over $800. Bucks, and I was the third car there that day. I just it blows me away. That's just an example of love. I I, I told you about Camp Barakel lost their their tool shop their their whole work area and all their tools and I, I challenged us what can we do we sent over a thousand dollars in gift cards so they could buy new tools and whatever tool boy they were excited remember the pictures I showed you then when they were they had the cards and Paul Gardner the director there he's like Don this is a great idea everybody's bringing their tools and they have a huge bunch of tools but most of them are used and old and things that people didn't want but we gave them cards that they could go and fill what they need with new stuff oh they were giddy the guys that actually do the work they the, the, the smile you wouldn't believe it but but Tony Dimasalis, Tony comes to Oakwood, and he heard that, and he he thought, what can I do? And instead of thinking about old tools or something, he went and he talked to the head of Milwaukee Tools, somebody that comes in where he works, and, and uh, the distributor there, and he said, hey, listen, our church is doing this thing for a camp. Who's their tool thing. Burn to the ground. What could you do? Next thing you find out, Milwaukee Tools said, what do you need? Put the pictures on the screen, would you? Tony... I don't know if you can see what's on top of that car. There's thousands of dollars worth of power tools on top of that car. Brand new tools. Those two bags there, those, I don't know what they call them, work bags or whatever. Full, absolutely full to the brim with all sorts of new gadgets and tools. The hammer's sticking out of there alone. I played with it for like 10 minutes. Coolest hammer I'd ever seen. I don't know what to do with a hammer, but if I had a hammer, I'd want that hammer. It's got a red handle. It's got a magnet that holds the, I didn't even know it could do that, Jim. I was excited. Oh, and then there's these. Uh, great tools. This is the the, the car that we loaded. That's Paul Gardner there. Last week I went up. I just drove to Barakel to give him these tools. Why? Because of love. Because Tony was thinking of his purpose. How can I bless somebody? I could go on and on with this church about the blessings of servants, people that want to serve. us. deacons, both women and and men. We, We serve. We're deacons. The word means to serve. Servants. You might not be in the office or hold an office, but who cares about holding an office when we can serve, be servants? Our purpose is love, everybody. Say love. Our purpose is love, our position must be humility. Luke twenty two twenty seven. For who is greater? The one who is at the table or the one who serves? Is it not the one who is at the table? But I am among you as one who serves. Listen to this. This is Jesus. I love how he's making this very simple point. Jesus is telling them, who's greater, the one that's at the table or the waiter? The waitress. Who's who's greater? Then he even tells them if they didn't want to answer, right? Because we usually answer false in church, right? What's brown with the furry tail and collects nuts for winter? Jesus? No, no. Quit giving Sunday school answers. Jesus knew that they were going to give a Sunday school answer. Who's greater, the person at the table or the servant? You know it's the person at the table. That's what he tells them. But I'm here as the servant. Not surprised, right? We live in a kingdom upside down. The last will be first, the first will be last. Amen? And so Jesus is our example. And that brings us to this next one it's our pattern. You see, Jesus is our pattern to follow. Our purpose is to love. That's our purpose. Our position is humility, absolutely humbling ourselves. Again, not a bad self-image or anything, but just humble ourselves to allow others to be greater than ourselves. Humility. I've shared you with this you before, and please don't think this is vain conceit. Please don't think of this story as empty glory, kinodoxia. I tell it to you because it's an embarrassing story for me. When I was in Battle Creek, we have friends from Battle Creek here, by the way. I used to work at the skate park, Battleground Skate Park, back when it was in its own little building. It was in a warehouse in a really bad part of town. I had been at Calvary Baptist for 20 years as their youth pastor. Their pastor's wife is here today. That's who I was talking to. She's here today. I was there for 20 years as the youth pastor. And then for five years, I, I was a traveling speaker. I was traveling the country, traveling the world and speaking to teens all over the place and churches and conferences. And, and uh, I was getting my master's degree at the same time. But I would work at this battleground skate park. And the, the clientele at, at a skate park in a rough part of town is, I mean, God bless them. They're stoners. They're just stoners flat out. Not picking on them. They're Stoners. They're smoking pot outside before they come in. And we tell them they can't smoke inside. But a lot of them are smoking pot as they leave. And I loved being there. I loved serving there. I would open up and, and it's kind of the monitor, you know, of that place. And I would do my master's work toward get my master's while I was waiting. And it was really interesting because I would fly out on Friday to Brazil and speak at a conference and come back on a Monday and go straight to the skate park. And, and I would sit there and work with these kids. Well, these kids had no idea who I was. I'm just a poor guy who has no other job except for sitting at a skate park. That's what they thought I was. And, and I was friendly with them and, and friends to them. But you need to know something. I learned about skate. I'm not a skater. I don't know if I'll fool you or not, but I'm not a skater. But apparently these sweet ramps and all these things that they have, apparently they get dusty, and that's bad. So every once in a while as I'm sitting there working on my master's, a kid would come up and say, hey, dude. That's how they talk. Hey, hey dude. The ramps are kind of dusty, man. You got a mop. You got a mop, dude. So we'd have a timeout, and we'd close it, and they'd go out and smoke, and I'd go out, and, and I would mop the skate park. And I want to tell you, there was times when I would say, these kids have no idea who I am. I am the Reverend Don Jackson, who's moment's away from a master's degree. And I just flew back from Brazil. They can't even say it correctly. And I'm grabbing the, and I'm mopping. I'm thinking, I think when they come back, I'm going to tell them who I am. Because this is just disrespect. And God got a hold of me there. With a mop in my hand, God said, who do you think you are? And with a mop in my hand, I realized at that moment, I am a mop boy for Jesus, and my stoner friends need to have a tighter course, and so I mop. And I don't tell you that to brag. I'm not giving you some false humility. God had to hit me over the head to say, who do you think you are? Jesus is like, you think you're the first person who ever humbled themselves and got down with something wet to help somebody? As the disciples sat there saying, hey dude, my feet are dirty. Hey dude. Humility. Humility. It's hard. God had to work it into me. Thank God. I was willing to say, "Okay, I'm these guys mop boy because I mopped for them." And eventually, we said, "Hey, you know on Tuesdays, on Tuesdays we like to have skate church." And if you come to Skate Church, your fee will be taken care of. It'll be free. And these kids who were coming started coming, and I would preach at Skate Church. It was awesome. I'm preaching the word of God to these guys. And finally, one of these guys says, dude, who are you? And I almost wanted to say, oh, I am the Reverend Jackson with the master. And I said, no. No, I said, what do you mean, who am I? I'm your mop boy. I'm your mop boy. Oh, some kids got saved at that Skate Church. We've got to learn to follow Jesus' example. I love it, Philippians 2, in verse 5. It says, in your relationships, with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in the very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. The first thing I see about Jesus' example there is Jesus thought of the Father before himself. That's what Jesus did. He, he, he realized he was part of the, trinity he was part of that holy trinity equal equal parts of this trinity the father the son the holy spirit he is god himself but what did he do he decided that was nothing to hold on to nothing to grasp nothing to brag about and he thought of his father first the second thing is he thought of us before himself it goes on to say Rather, he made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Humility. Oh, are you thankful this morning that Jesus thought of God above himself? Are you thankful this morning that Jesus thought of us before himself? And it sounds like the theme of what we're all supposed to be about. Love God, love people. Jesus said, I love God and I love you. I love God and I love you. And my wants and desires and needs will be put lower than that. What an example. That's our example. Humility, our purpose, our position, our pattern. It's Jesus. You might ask yourself today, how do I know, Don, how do I know Pastor? PD, how do I know if I'm loving God like this? How do I know if my love for Jesus is like this? Well, it's easy. There, there, there's a little window in how you can know. I've got this ongoing love affair with my tractor. I love my tractor, lawn tractor, and it hates me. You've heard many stories about me and my lawn tractor. So many parts that I break, but there's one thing I haven't broken yet that works all the time, and it's on the gas tank. On the gas tank, it's a big gas tank, and I can fill it but you would wonder like, how do I know how much gas is in this tank? There's no fancy little gauge up on the thing or anything. But in the very back of the lawn tractor, there's this little cutout window. It's about this big. And that little cutout window shows into the tank and it shows me where the level is. Do you want to know how much you love Jesus today? The window into that question is how much do you love others? I'll let that sink for a second. You want to know today how much you love Jesus or how much you're like Jesus? The window into that answer is, how much do you love others? Before I take that tractor out, I always walk to the back and I kick the tractor so the fuel will move a little bit so I can see where it's at. Today, hopefully, I'm kicking you a little bit saying, hey, let's love. Let's serve. Everybody say serve. Let's serve out of the right place in the right heart. Let's do it for all the right reasons. And there's good news. I got another P out of this. There's a promise. Everybody say promise. Oh, there's a purpose, a position, a pattern, and a promise. It might be hidden there a little bit, but it's an eternal reward. Folks, we humble ourselves, we put others first, but God promises to exalt us, just like he did to Jesus. See, Jesus did all these things. He humbled himself, he didn't think of himself first, he thought of God first. He didn't think of himself first, he thought of us first. And then the Bible says in verse 9, therefore, God exalted him. He humbled himself, and God lifted him up. Friends, we need to do the, the work of humbling ourselves and serving others more than we serve ourselves, and trust that God will He'll take care of exalting you. Our promise is the eternal reward. Hebrews 11:6. And without faith, it's impossible to please God, because anyone who comes to Him must believe that He exists and that He rewards those who earnestly seek Him. He rewards. Amen. He rewards. Amen. Everybody said. He rewards) See, we've got our purpose is love. Our position has to be humility. Our pattern is Jesus. We know how to do this, folks. We've watched it. We've seen the example. And our promise is an eternal reward. In the big idea, there was this phrase treasuring our treasures. Do you wonder what that means? Treasuring our treasures. The first thing you need to do is find out what the treasure is. See the X on the. I love this part of this message. X marks the spot right? There's a treasure out there. What is the treasure? I'm going to tell you. Look at this cleverness. The treasure is people. See how persons right over that X? It's not you. You're not the treasure. We treasure others. The people in my life are great gifts to me. Each one a person. Everybody say person. X marks the spot. A person of sacred worth. Everybody in your life is of great value to God. Everybody in your life is of great value to God. So we serve them. We don't respond with my needs matter most. Others' needs matter most. I need to treasure my treasures. And if I treasure people, then I treasure them. Treasure them. in Michigan, I don't know if it's all over the place, but there's this X marks the spot thing going on. Some jeweler started a quest for treasures, hidden treasures all across Michigan. Have you seen this? My wife was so excited about it. It was on the news. This guy went and hid all these bars of silver or something like that all over Michigan. And and they're there and we can find them. And my wife's like, let's do it. Let's do it. But I watched the news thing. All you have to do is pay 50 bucks to get the map. I'm like, we're not doing that. She goes, you're cheap. I'm like, "Well." Maybe Jim Journal will get it and he'll share with me the map or something. I don't want to pay no $50, but people are going to be out looking for these treasures all over Michigan. I love a treasure hunt. I love the idea of that. Let's go treasure hunting. That's what your pastor wants to tell you today. Let's go treasure hunting, people. And you know who the treasure is? It's It's The people you work with. You know who the treasure is? It's the people you go to school with. You know who the treasure is? It's your neighbor. You know who the treasure is? It's the person who's not going to vote like you next Tuesday. You know who the treasure is? It's the person that wears masks. You know who the treasure is? The person that doesn't wear masks. You know who the treasure is? It's the person who believes this whole pandemic thing is phony. You know who the treasure is? The person hiding in their basement afraid to come out. You know who the treasure is? The treasure is everybody but you. Oh, don't worry about it. You'll be exalted because God treasures you. But right now, we treasure our treasures. Let's go treasure hunting. You're going to be somewhere today. I'm going I'm to make you a promise because I'm leaving Dodge. As soon as I'm done with the second service, my wife and I are going up north for three nights, getting away from it all. We're going to go hide ourselves for a while. But I'm going to guarantee you something. You're going to leave this. You're going to run into somebody somewhere, and you're going to hear your pastor in the background of your mind going, treasure treasure hunt. And you're going to be like, the treasure's right in front of me. How can I serve them? How can I love them? Let's go treasure hunting.